All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody, you know what that sound is? That sound is Time Out with Patty C. We are in round two of our uh, March Madness rock bracket. And if, if you missed last week, sorry, Lee, but you're a loser because you missed. <laughs> but it's okay because you were missing. You, you changed your internet provider. But for our 17 listeners, because if you notice, we went up to number 66 last week in comedy in Podma- in the ranking. So we've got somebody listening. Um, but you missed some great conversation and you might hear some later on in round one but we're in round two right now crazy crazy kick-ass rounds and and let's just start it with the first two bands we got pink floyd and iron maiden and now before we 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 have a number one seed that's going against really not even a 16 seed i think it's like a 216 six but come on Two minutes to midnight. I don't. I don't. I don't even want to talk anymore. I'm going to let you guys talk. Somebody has an album. Somebody's brought an album. I think. So, uh, so our Patreon subscribers who get the video feed can see this right now. The rest of you, you need to subscribe. Uh, this is Iron Maiden, Power Slave, and uh, this was great fun um, when I was in ninth, tenth grade. Uh, all these hieroglyphics have secret messages hidden in them, but not with, you know, not what they would lead you to believe about devil worship and all that kind of stuff. There are things like what, no Guinness, buy us a pint, be a hero. Uh, there's a, a drawing of Mickey Mouse hidden in there. So it was great fun. Uh, my, the thing I like about Iron Maiden is uh, Steve Harris, the bassist and leader of the band, said many times, anybody can sing sappy love songs. We don't do that. We sing about historical events and mythology and, you know, opium-addicted English poets, and uh, I really appreciate that. So I might be the only guy here who's going to go for Iron Maiden, but I'm going for Iron Maiden. I'm That's with awesome. you, Didi. Yeah? I met I uh, so. Bruce Dickinson a few years ago at a book signing. Nice. Interesting awesome. guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a bit of a metal renaissance man. Yeah, they, they had they had some really interesting topical, you know, historical songs. You know, the funny part about that is I, I believe they have a, a mascot called Eddie. Yes. And he's on like Every, <laughs> so many album covers. And it's who's the little guy there? Who's the little guy in the rings? Lord of the Rings, the Gollum guy. Was that his name? Kind of looks like Olaf. Golub. It looks Gollum. like that. Gollum. <laughs> who's who's got some who okay if anyone has any other iron maiden songs or ready or or music uh ideas who's got who's got anything no uh, ace is high nothing rhyme of the ancient mariner nope. that's you know sure yeah two minutes to yeah, midnight i saw them uh, one of my brother is uh one of my brothers i'm one of eight kids uh one of my brothers is um where I'm a deadhead, he's a metalhead, and uh, we've, you know, we we uh, we try to introduce each other to the, you know, that that way of life, so to speak. And so I've seen a number of concerts of some of the metal bands that he's enjoyed. And uh, a number of years ago, we went to see Iron Maiden, and they were good. You know, they I didn't know a lot of the songs per se, um, but it was I appreciated the crowd and their enthusiasm, and uh, you know. 
the, the whole scene. And um, when I saw that uh, Bruce Dickinson had put his book out, and there was a book signing nearby, so I wanted to get my brother a copy for Christmas. And that's when I got to learn a little more about the band and, and, and Harris, the, the leader, and the band dynamics and stuff like that. It was interesting. Yeah, there's some really good backstories on that band. Um, in, uh, and if, if you noticed from the little cheat sheet, uh, there are a lot of guys in that band, yeah. like a lot of guys yeah. over over the years. So um, um, that's interesting. But, you know, they're going against Pink Floyd. Come on. Um, they only had so many members, you know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's what it's Bye. it's funny, TJ. When we talk about the bands against each other, I'm like, I always kind of side on the band that only had like the same guys or like only six guys instead of seventeen. But uh, Papa Gig, come on, give us a Pink Floyd. Some, give us something from the Floyd. I know you voted for Queen the last time. Right against Pink Floyd, yeah. yeah but Pink Floyd here, not a big Iron Maiden. I don't really know a whole lot, but uh, give me Run to the Hills. I'll put that on a, any mixtape playlist. Boom, you know that, that for me. That's my Iron Maiden song. Um, yeah, Pink Floyd. Just it's they're not my favorite band, but you just got to give someone strength to their music, their career. Um, yeah, there's. I for me, it's just a it's a special place, Pink Floyd. Like I can only go to them certain times, um, but I, I still in this matchup. Hands down, Pink Floyd. I would have to agree with that. And uh, uh, actually, so would I. Oh, Patty C. Excuse me. Um, this would go probably. I'm trying to think. It might have been 2018. Roger Waters did the. Uh, he toured. He you know he he did a national tour, and Ed and I went to see him at uh, the Nassau Coliseum, and it was amazing. Yeah, the the it got very political which kind of you could see it pit his politics actually put people in the audience against each other in certain places like people walked out um somebody near us you know started having a yelling match which you know that's kind of you know i go to see music to get away from that stuff um but the 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 songs and the theatrics um with all the imagery that pink floyd has developed over the course of their history were all on display it was, it was good it was a good show yeah 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 and uh yeah you know it's it's there's some crazy stories they've been around forever and it's you know it's a shame they couldn't stay together but um you know raj wanted to do his own thing and, and he's <laughs> what i'm telling you know he's, he's roger waters is also kind kind of a little bit of an asshole so um sorry but uh my favorite pink floyd album is actually when he said i'm quitting and they said that's fantastic and they did momentary lapse of reason and i went to see him on that tour and it was absolutely amazing and david gilmore was incredible and the other guys who had left the band because roger waters came back and i think they were better off without him although he was responsible for the wall but still I, uh yeah they they're they're a great band it's it's always interesting when these very successful bands cannot get along for whatever reason to that extent and i and i i have to agree that uh with todd that roger waters he might he might be more than just a little bit of an asshole <laughs> <laughs> I know we're trying to keep it PG here. I'm sorry about that. Oh, All our younger sorry, listeners. That's fine. Sorry. That's that's okay. That's okay. Oh, hey. So let's rock and roll. 
Yeah, so, you know, growing up with him, you know, as a kid, loved him, but then had the opportunity to see him. And um, when I was in high school, I was working at Red Lobster, went with the kitchen crew from Red Lobster. So it was a good gang. And I was, a, unfortunately, it was a tour where they were without makeup. So I spent this, my whole childhood, wondering what they looked like without makeup. And, you know, I had since found out. But, uh, yeah, I saw him over at Stable Arena on a non-makeup tour. It was good, but it didn't make me any more of a Kiss fan. But it was sure. a show. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Pat, I'm kind of with you. I was like not really a Kiss fan. Yeah. And then after their movie, I was really not a Kiss fan. <laughs> Come on, you have albums like Kiss, Hotter Than Hell, Dress to Kill, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over. Like <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there are some worse bands in in the, the the madness here. But it was fun '70s rock and roll. Those early albums. It was it was you know fun, simple stuff. Like I said, I'm not going to necessarily vote for him, but it was fun. I'm on rock and roll. I mean, I should I should like him. Gene Simmons is a fellow tribesman. <laughs> Speaking of Roger Waters, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you. I was trying to figure out how to word that. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I was never into Kiss. The only album I have, a cassette, is Lick It Up, the album where they took off the makeup. I was never, I always thought that, even as a kid, I thought the makeup was hokey, and I was never into them, which is funny because I liked all kinds of heavy metal stuff, but I don't know. I was just, I was just never, they, I don't know, just never did it for me. Yeah, I could never, I could never get in, even though they're essentially local guys. They're from Queens. I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't get into Kiss. Actually, Ace Freely was supposed to play a club around uh, locally by me, uh, right before the COVID put it, you know, shut everything down. They're both inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, but supposedly, I guess there was not a, I wouldn't call it a riot, but I guess Kiss was on the docket for a long time and never got voted in. And then finally there was a, there was a protest outside Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was like, but, but the Kiss Army must have made it happen. Yeah, the Kiss Army. That's right. Um, but, you the know, we, the one thing you got to say for Kiss is that they um, they even out custody the dead as far as their uh, merchandising. Yeah. I think they came up with the Kiss casket. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd bury them in it. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Unfortunately, Sorry. it came in. That's harsh. That's harsh. We have um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And that, even though the band members changed a little early on, they, they kind of stayed the same. But they still can put on a show. You know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, along with Kiss, can still put on a show. People will flock to those shows. So this is a music-wise, I understand it. But then, you know, you got to look at the band, too, is can they still attract? Um, so. and, I, and the answer is yes. And I, I get where um, I get the thing about Anthony Kiedis. But um, they put on a hell of a, a live show and Flea. I mean, I I saw him. I saw them not too long ago, relatively speaking, and I had good seats. And Flea's a maniac, yeah. and, you know, and he he can play. And yeah, yeah then and yeah, it's an amalgamation of these great musicians. Maybe looking for a better lead guy, but you know, <laughs> they made it work. I'd have to put them in over Kiss myself. I I would second that. Are there any nice? Sayers on that 
Chris Gig, no. No, I'm definitely a big, I'm a Chile. I've seen him a couple times in concert. And the interplay between Flea and John Frusciante is is just amazing. When you talk about musicians, those two guys, I think, were, were kind of born to play music together. They And, and Frusciante's back in now, too. Yeah, right. This third stint in the band. Yeah, so you know, it's been interesting. But real quick, if you want to read a rock and roll biography or autobiography, read Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis. It's amazing it's, that the guys. It is. It's it's fantastic. It's it was a, a scary it's a fantastic book. book. Yeah. Oh yeah. Scary. It's amazing. He's alive. And I think that's maybe maybe why he's saying yabba dabba do because he's he did a little too much crazy stuff. But I, I I do in his defense, I'll argue the later records. I think you put three records in a row for the Chili Peppers when Frusciante joined the band for the second time again, and you had a. Uh, Californication in 99 then you have By the Way and then Stadium Arcadium those three records in a row I think for me that's my my Chili Peppers peak even though you know Blood Sugar Sex Magic was a great one the first that was the first record they made with Frusciante but when he came back and he added some great vocal harmonies I think those three those are three really really good records to dig into with the Chili Peppers Californication is a is a good good record yeah yeah yeah, so I I think I think Red Hot is coming going through on that one. Listen, if you can wear a sock on your thing, um, maybe that gets you through. I don't know, but <laughs> but hey, we, we got we're moving on now. Now we got the next two bands. You know, when we looked at this bracket, you know, you can say, oh, this is going to be tight. This is and when I put these two bands together in the bracket, I was like, eh, one is going to beat the other. And then the, then when I started listening to them, and I was like, this is crazy. Rush against Foo Fighters. But when you can cover the Seeker by the Who and beat the living hell out of it, I got to say... That's pretty good. But now I'm going to I'm just throwing this out there because this is a conversation when the Foo Fighters can take Baker Street and beat the living hell out of it and cover it. You know, the you know, the Foo Fighters came out strong um, with with their first two albums. But, you know, remember, he wrote that by himself and he didn't really want to be. It's not like he was like, hey, I'm going to start a new band. He was like, hey, I'm going to write some songs. I'm going to record it myself. He almost recorded the first album. I think by himself in the studio. This should be like an. This, this is just an eight a, against the nine. What say you had, Dennis? It's an eight against the it's nine. An eight yeah. against the yeah. nine. So I just talked in extensively about my knowledge on it. What, what does everybody else have on this? Uh, See, I, uh, go ahead, DJ. I. I love Dave Grohl. I think he's a great, he's a dude I'd love to sit and, you know, hang with. He just seems like a genuinely nice guy. But the, the Foo Fighters, to me, are just, there's nothing memorable for me about the music. Everything sounds the same to me. And, um, and they're, look, they're a great band, and I'm certainly in the minority, you know, with that. And I, I love Dave Grohl, but I'm just not a Foo Fighters fan. And I'm... I'm not a big Rush fan either, but something about Rush would have, would, you know, their, their, their prowess musically. Uh, Neil Peart is just, a, you know, they're, they're interesting on their own. And I, I, my introduction to Rush came my freshman year in college. I was tripled in a, in a uh, dorm room. And one of my roommates was a guy named Steve Sinelli. And he never went to class. He just <laughs> sat on his bed and played his guitar to Rush records. And I, you know, I was just, I was into the Stones. I didn't even, never heard of Rush. And that was, I think the album was, um, 
hemispheres, I think. But there was a, a song. I think it's an instrumental. La, La Via, Via Strangiato, something like that. Just this, you know, opus. Yeah. And he would just he he failed out after one semester. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, actually, he got a, and I, I don't know why I remember this, he got a 0.36, which is actually, I think, harder to get than a 0.00. Like, he, he appeared in class, I guess, a couple of times, and, uh, but, and then um, I, I read uh, Neil Peart's uh, books later on, and I found him kind of a fascinating guy. Yeah. And, but, you know, neither one, and I, I, I saw Rush. I've never seen the Foo Fighters. I did go see Rush. And um, I, I would, it would probably be close, and it's definitely subjective on my part, but I would lean towards Rush on this one. Yeah, yeah. I never liked Rush. Uh, I like I like the music. I can't stand Getty Lee's voice. So Ooh. if he would just play the bass... That'd be awesome. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, the, the big Mike Anthony Cadis argument here. I, I really like the music. Can't stand his voice. Could never get past it. Foo yeah. fighters all the way. Dave Grohl, bring it on. Yeah. I'm a Foo fighters fan too. It's, it's funny as much as I didn't like Nirvana. I, yeah. I think Dave Grohl is pretty good. So gig, yeah. gig, you have the, um, I hate oh, to t- put you on the spot, my friend, but you are pushing one of these bands through. Sorry, like, my friend. I'm like DJ. I love his eight, nine analogy. And I echo so many things like rush. I, I can't listen to a whole rush album. There's, uh, there's so many really good rush songs. I really do think throughout their career. I think there's a lot of good rush songs and I can handle get Lee's voice. Foo fighters. I want to love, you know, based on I'm, I'm a Nirvana fan. fan. I'm a punk rock background. You know, it's totally my thing. But after the first two or three records, they just don't do it for me. And I, I kind of look at like they're the rock band that can pack arenas these days. And that kind of as a rocker, I kind of think, eh, is this is this the best we got? You know, and I, I'm the same. I love Dave Grohl. Great guy. But I think after those first two or three records, they kind of petered out. Um, I saw him in concert once. I saw him open for the Chili Peppers so I can combine these two guys. It was Foo Fighters last show with a tour. They were hammered. Chili Peppers sent a male stripper out on stage during the show. And they didn't get through too many songs. Um, so it was a little disappointing, but it was, you know, it was a fun rock and roll moment. All that said, I'm still going to push the Foo Fighters through. Bye. All right. So, so, so there we have it. Foo Fighters all the way through. Interesting. We have Black Sabbath against Nirvana. And this isn't Ozzy. This is just Black Sabbath. So Ozzy in Black Sabbath. Now, Dennis and I are from Long Island, and I don't think I ever heard a, a Long Island Railroad conductor ever say that when you got on the train. <laughs> no. But if I did, but if 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 we I've been did, told I'm getting off at the next stop. <laughs> Wouldn't it depend on your state of mind? <laughs> yep. But we, when we can think of Black Sabbath, the whole band, but, you know, um, Ronnie James G. Dio came in as the lead singer later on on that, but their early stuff was crazy. Just like, I think, Rush and the Foo Fighters. You got an older band, and then you got a new banner, but they both, I think, affected everybody at times. And they say Nirvana's Unplugged at MTV was the, one of the best ever unplugs ever. It's just a shame. And I, pu- I put these right next to each other for one reason. 
if if Kurt didn't make an, a mistake one day, there would have been no Foo Fighters, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So who's who's got a story, Black Sabbath or Nirvana? I mean, for me, it's kind of, it's not even a contest. I think Black Sabbath, I mean, Nirvana apparently has had this cultural impact um, and it could be a generational thing. But I just think that the body of work, and plus I have I have this here. That's me uh, with Tony Iommi. So I don't have any pictures of me with anybody from Nirvana. So. <laughs> uh, but I, I. But this is again. I'm not. I, I like Black Sabbath. I'll listen to them. Uh, I don't dislike either band. But neither one is one I'm. I'm running out to say. Uh, you know, I got to hear some Nirvana or Black Sabbath today. But based on the, the body of work and the overall influence on other bands, I, I'm thinking Black Sabbath. Uh, I saw Black Sabbath uh, again, like my journey story, well after their heyday. Uh, Ian Gillen of Deep Purple fame was. Mm-hmm. The lead singer, uh, about four days before I was supposed to see them in Philadelphia, he quit the band and they had a roadie singing uh, all these classic Black Sabbath songs. And the guy wasn't bad, but um, but it was a really sad rock and roll moment at the Philadelphia Spectrum. It's, what you know, year it, holds, was that? it holds about, I don't know, 12. It hold, held about 12,000 people and there were maybe 4000 people there. Wasp opened the show. Tony Aomi was great. But I didn't know anybody else who was on stage. Yeah. It was just, it was really, you know, so that's yeah. my personal experience with Black Sabbath as a high school kid. <laughs> just, just draw one. But my vote is Black Sabbath. You know, they, they were only, uh, Nirvana was only together for a short amount of time. And even though, you know, they were the poster boys for grunge in Seattle, um, it would have been nice for them to... Um, Full of Rolling Stones, if you know what I mean, and just last for 30 years. And would have been nice to see how long they would have been. But, but I, uh, I think it was Todd who said the, uh, the Todd, was that you said the, the cultural shift for you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's something that, I, mean, I don't know if it's generational or whatever, but that's something that is certainly, um, you can't, you can't discount. You know, because even though I, they weren't, you know, my favorite band, you couldn't help but, you know, see the impact they had. Yeah. And Papa Gig, what do you got for us? You know, I, I'm a middle school teacher. I was a middle school teacher in the 90s when they broke. And you would not believe how many kids were wearing Nirvana, Kurt Cobain T-shirts back in the early 90s. So it yeah. was a big impact. And I could have worn one underneath my, my tie and my shirt and tie because I was definitely a big fan. But, you know, yeah. it's amazing to think, like, when you listen to Nirvana's lyrics... What's drawing a kid? The, the lyrics are, are pretty dark and pretty twisted. They they sing about some pretty crazy stuff. So it's 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 was it the image? You know, it was definitely the sound of the music. But yeah, um, it is kind of interesting what, what drew so many younger people to them. But and, I'm definitely a Nirvana guy. Like I said, yeah. I have the punk rock roots. And uh, to me, those first three, well, the Bleach, their first record, Iffy, but the next two records, Nevermind and In Utero, I think are fantastic. And it would have been interesting to see, like you guys are saying, what direction they would have gone to. I think that unplugged performance kind of gave you a little hint you know where they might have gone you know it's interesting you know they have their big mtv moment and they're playing an obscure or it was then an obscure david bowie song they're playing three songs by the meat puppets they're playing yeah. a song by lead belly you yep. know and yep. and they, they were you know the height of their fame and they're playing they're you know talk about the foo fighters playing covers you know yeah. and they're playing a song by the vaselines uh jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam so mm-hmm. yeah really interesting it would have been neat to see where they went, but for me, it's Nirvana all the way. In utero, 
talk about Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl's drummings on their last record in Uru is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nirvana, hundred percent for me. <laughs> now, Lee, are you calling Dennis on the phone? I, I was. I was pranking him. <laughs> it's a jerky voice. But then, but then we could, then we couldn't see him when he was talking, do we? We got Black Sabbath going through because you know they're just you know a little stronger, and that's fine because um, this is the way the bracket runs, and and. I'm telling you, later on, we're going to have some tough decisions to make. But here's, here's going to be a tough decision, and this is why we brought DJ on. Uh, we have the Grateful Dead against Jefferson Airplane. But come on. How many shows, how many albums, how many songs? What do you have, what do you have Dennis, for us? Who, I mean, this is, this is no contest. Yes. <laughs> and look, the, the Jefferson Airplane, they were the first band to emerge you know, from that scene. And, and also, um, Grace Slick replaced, um, six. She replaced, she replaced a woman already in the band. And then she, she, she was, she, she took off because she was pregnant and was having a kid, I think. Uh, the original woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Sig. Oh gosh. Yeah. Forget her name or something. And, um, but that was the time back then. It's not like, Hey, free love. I'm going to have a kid, whatever. I'll do something else. Donna was pregnant with the dead. They had a rocking chair on the side of the stage for her so she could sit between uh, between Donna tunes. That's even that puts them through. I could I could talk this whole hour just about the dead. Yes, I, yeah. I would just like to say that I think this is a setup. Whoever put these brackets together, I think this is a setup. I'm voting for the dead because I got the memo. I know what I'm supposed to do. The dead's going through. The dead is going through. Have you guys seen The Dead with Pat in any uh, configuration, cover band, anything like that, Dark Star? I, I saw Dead and Company at the University of Colorado two summers ago. Yeah. In, in, a, I was there. in a killer hailstorm. Oh, um, yeah. And it was it was actually it, it's the only time I've seen any kind of version of The Dead. And I absolutely loved it. Mm. Yeah, they, that was um, you were there, too, that, Dennis, right? I was there. Yeah, oh, I wow. actually. Yeah. Uh, have a, a, an interesting picture. That, that was uh, crazy. Well, he pulls it up. It's funny. I was I was down at um, I was in Ventura, and um, and and Todd goes, "Hey, I got an extra ticket." I was like, oh, I "How did. can I?" I had, a, I had a third ticket. How can I leave my family just for like seventeen hours and then come back <laughs> and they'll never know I'm gone? I just remember when I was standing on the floor against the barrier. Uh, you know, for, to the stage, and the lightning rods went up on the stadium around the perimeter, and they said, "Clear the stadium now." And I thought, "Oh my God, I'm going to die here." <laughs> Which side of the field were you on? We Where were on the. We were, we were on the John Mayer guitar side. So as you're looking okay. at the stage, we were on the left side. Okay, so you went up into the big field house. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. couldn't get and in; it was so packed. Yeah, so you know they it's it was almost better being out in the hail than being in this uh, covered track, you know, with thirty thousand people, one hundred and ten percent humidity, and nowhere to go. It was awful. But to the Dead's credit, they came back out and they uh, just picked up right where they left off, yep. literally in the song, yep. and just played one long set without yep. a break to yep. uh, to get it in under the wire. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So my my first show. Dennis, you're way before me. I think mine was 82, 83, and you were? Uh, 
January 11th, 79. Yeah. And uh, it's been through the years, and I've been to many shows with Dennis. Great, great. Um, but, of course, one and has to go through uh, to the next round, and and this has to be the dead, I think. It- Wait, I'm reading from the script you gave me. The Grateful Dead are the best band ever. <laughs> 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 Wait. Oh, that's in my work email too. I don't know how you got that, Pat. What's the work email? Oh, don't say it on on online because you know you could get in trouble and stuff. No, somehow you hacked in. Oh, uh, go ahead, gig. Can I, just, Papa gig. I just want to ask a quick question, Dennis. Yeah. How many shows, whether it's dead or you know dead incarnations, how many shows have you seen? Because most people know like fifty-two Me? or yeah, yeah. Big D, uh, I, DJ. I know because I'm insane. I saw the dead with Jerry, the Grateful Dead, 225 times. Oh, <laughs> right there. They need to go on. Who has seen, who has seen Jefferson Airplane that many times? <laughs> and, you know, and then I've never grown up, you know, and so I've seen every iteration since, you know, the dead and company I've been to. And it's kind of a blessing, you know, it's we were actually going out to Colorado to see those shows and we were like, you know, and I've been, that's one of the great things about the dead, like with Pat and a large group of, of, of my friends, we get together to see that music still. And it's been going on, you know, whatever it is, 30, 40 years. Yep. And, you know, through kids and marriages and stuff, we find times, you know, if they're touring to get together and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's a blessing, you know, and I, I, I had too much fun at times, um, but now, now I remember the shows, and uh, <laughs> I don't have a headache the next day. <laughs> and I, I, I did get to meet Jerry once, too, so that was fun. So the dead are moving on, and now we're moving on to some solo, some solo punching. Two single guys, John Cougar Mellencamp and Elvis Costello. Now, I remember the joke back in the day that was like, is it John Cougar, John Cougar, Johnny Cougar, Johnny Cougar Mellencamp? Like, can you make a name for yourself? But but he's going against Elvis Costello. And I like this matchup for one reason. It's a U.S. boy against an English boy. You know, let's see what's going to happen. And John Cougar, with his own Americana feel, took over with that. But then again, Elvis Costello was the forerunner of the English, you know, like new wave. I don't want to call him punk because he wasn't punk, but it was that Elvis on the edge, you know. I'll, I'll disagree a little bit. I think Elvis Costello initially was punk. And Elvis Costello was the possibly the worst concert I ever saw. <laughs> uh, I saw in my now, but I saw in my freshman year of college, and it was just awful. It was thirty-five minutes of just thrashing noise. You know, it, it, it was at a, a gym in Binghamton, so the sound system probably wasn't great, and it took longer to get there than the actual show was. And I just, I was like, this sucks. But I saw Elvis Costello twenty years later, sure. and where it evolved into something completely different. Yeah. And he was really good. And, and then, you know, when I saw him, it was uh, pre-Allison. It was pre, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, had a little more polish to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, he, yeah, there's something to be said about what he's done and the whole career he's had. 
And I like John Cougar Mellencamp too. Yeah. 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 I like I like the story of uh, John Mellencamp early on getting signed to a record deal. The you know record company says you need a, a flashier name, so they name him John Cougar. First record doesn't sell anything. He goes in then and says, you know, I want to go with John Mellencamp, and they're like, no one's gonna you know like that name and he's like well evidently nobody likes john cougar so i'm gonna be john i'm gonna be john mellencamp so they compromise and they go with john cougar mellencamp and the line that always sticks you know stands out for me is sucking on a chili dog outside the tasty freeze and for that reason alone i'm going with elvis costello (laughs) (laughs) i like my i'm not a big elvis costello fan but i like a lot of his stuff and a lot of varied uh, structures and sounds, and yeah. uh, and I really really like it. And I like uh, John Cougar Mellencamp's good. I, I like a lot of his stuff too. But I'm I'd vote for Elvis here. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that snippet you just played, the Authority song, right? Yeah, yeah. So do you, I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, radio stations would play snippets of tunes, and the first caller would win tickets to something. Sure, and that and, was it. Well, one of the local stations had a series of ten snippets. And, you know, whoever got the 10th, you know, the old 10, I, it was a pretty cool prize. I can't remember. Sure. I was working at a restaurant and everybody was stuck on the authority song and I knew what it was. And the radio was playing in the bar and all of a sudden the contest came on and I ran to a, remember, remember pay phones. Sure. I ran to a pay phone and I actually got through. And I got it, but I got the, whatever the next song was, I didn't know. So. Oh, man. <laughs> Papa Gig or Big uh, Mike? Papa Gig, what do you got? Yeah, I like John Cougar Mellencamp. I think he's done a lot of great songs. You know, it kind of reminds me of what we were saying last week with Bruce Springsteen. You know, kind of to me, he's like Bruce Springsteen light or Bruce Springsteen Jr. Wrote a lot of great songs, has a great American image. But for me, this is hands down Elvis Costello. Um, you know, like you said, the punk roots, the new wave roots, and he's done everything. You know, he's collaborated with Burt Backrack, T Bone Burnett. You know, he's done like rootsy stuff. He's done jazz, yep. jazz standards. You know, he's his wife, Diana Krall, great jazz musician. I think he's just he's really put a, a great career together. And he's 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 talk about a good songwriter and a good lyricist. I yep. I, I find his body of work is is amazing. I'm I'm, I'm definitely an Elvis Costello fan. Saw so him in concert, I think twice. And uh, for me, he did put on a good show. Actually, DJ, I probably would have liked that show, the 30 minute loud noisy show. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw him a little bit later in his career. And uh, I think I was in the minority there. The crowd was pretty receptive. But yeah, I would have been pogoing and everything up front, and you know everything. <laughs> Pump it one up thing the to remember bit. about Elvis Costello is that this is the uh, it all comes back to the dead. In the early '90s, they put out a uh, compilation of other artists doing dead tunes called "Dedicated," and Elvis Costello did "Ship of Fools." So, yep, yep, that gets him through just on that. <laughs> yep, yep. And Big Mike, what do you got? Anything? Uh, Allison is one of my favorite songs. I think it's heartfelt and beautifully written. Uh, but John Cougar Mellencamp is like this guy who just doesn't care about what you think, you know, and he's just going to write these songs and uh, his body of work. I think he's had more hits uh, than, than for my, for my, uh, for my taste um, than Elvis Costello. And so I think John Cougar Mellencamp would get my vote. And it, it might come down to you. Um, oh, man. I don't have a lot of uh, real life experience with either, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm kind of where Mike is with that. I think I probably go with the Cougar. Yeah, but I got to push him through on that one. 
Um, uh, so we got uh, we got Elvis going through. So we're gonna go through the rest ones now. We got this is gonna be an easy one, everybody. This is yes against three dog night. So you know, so, and I don't mean to bust on three dog night because my my brother got me into him. So they in '69 they did try a little tenderness. Then they had one, and Eli's coming was an incredible song. And then Mama told me not to come. And then Joy to the World, and then Liar, and those were great. And at the same, the same time, I am uh, I am a progressive rock fan, if you know what I mean. And so, my vote is for yes. I hope you guys have some other stories. Any stories? I'm gonna go back to an eight-track tape. For me, I associate yes with eight-track tapes. Just yeah. it's my point in life. I don't know how many times I listen to yes, fragile on headphones on eight-track tape, and I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going with yes on this one. I just think their inventiveness, um, their musicianship. Three Dog Night. I think I have to take away that they didn't write a lot of the songs. You know, I think they they, they performed them really well, but they didn't write enough of them. So mm-hmm. for me, that's a little blemish for them. I think they just have a great body of work, great musicians, great vocals, and uh, and I listened to a hell of a lot of Yes, Fragile, and Eight Track Tape. Yeah, I, my dad listened uh, to a, a lot of Yes, uh, several albums, and I always kind of. You know, while I wasn't a huge fan, I always enjoyed it. And then when I was in high school, uh, they reformed and and I think they reformed and uh, and released Big Generator, which was, you know, kind of a commercial hit. But I really enjoyed it. it the, you know, a lot of layers and, you know, like symphonic movements in there. And I really I really like that. Um, my dad also had a lot of three dog night. So I heard a lot of that as a kid. I didn't realize they didn't write the songs, uh, but I, I think I'll I think I'll vote for yes on this. Not having a strong opinion either way. Yeah, I'm with TD. I think we're about the same age, and yeah, yes hit me about the same time. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yes, just the 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 complexity of the music, the musicianship, the originality of it, and not to knock Three Dog Night, but they were you know it's it was it's. You know, it's kind of pop music and it's all catchy and it's all good tunes. And but, um, you know, at the at the end of the day, it's uh, to me, it's uh, it's it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that one. So, yeah, that, that's a that's a slam dunk. I guess uh, we can call it a slam dunk. Now we have an interesting one. We have Van Halen. Against Black Crows. That's right. Van Halen, Black Crows. So I don't, I, I don't know who's got it. Who's got something? I'm going to stop talking here because I don't want to give up uh, too much here. I, I would just like to say that I enjoyed the Black Crows one album, uh, but I, I saw Van Halen many times, both David Lee Roth and Sammy Hager, and they were just always just a ton of fun live sure. just yeah. complete showman and uh, just really really enjoyable and i i liked the you know i liked their catalog start to finish uh so I, i'm a, i'm a van halen fan as a band you know those guys just kicked ass early on you got that right big mike 
Yeah, so I'm. Uh, I think the, uh, the black crows are a little suspect, and I'll tell you why. Because um, <laughs> their, their opening hit was um, was hard to handle, right? Which is an Otis Redding song. Um, who is noticeably absent from this bracket? Who would go and beat? <laughs> <laughs> would go deep for me. Uh, my favorite. Uh, there's just, they're just, they seem to be a lot of high maintenance personalities, and not the production of quality music. Um, sure. You know, uh, whereas uh, Van Halen is kind of like uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers for me. Only they did have some really good lead singers, uh, and so they were able to put all of these like amazing musicians together uh, with these like performative like David Lee Roth uh, whether he's singing or just talking uh, is yeah. just like this performer that is fun to watch um, and that alone I mean every guitarist wants to learn how to play Eruption um, and so uh, Van Halen goes forward for me yeah, you got you got me. Uh, you really got me. Running with the devil, ain't talking about love. Jamie's crying on fire. Dance the night away. Beautiful girls. There's some crazy music in there. How about a DJ? You you too, maybe. I agree with Mike. I mean, I've seen the Black Bros. Um, you know, they're they're one. You know, their biggest. They're probably arguably their biggest song is not their own. Um, the, the personalities are hard to stomach. Um, and, and then you look at Van Halen, and you look, you got Eddie Van Halen, you yeah. know, who, whose influence yeah. is, you know, undeniable. Yep. And and then actually, with the uh, the roommate I was talking about earlier, who turned me on to Rush, also turned me on to Van Halen because that was right around when their first album came out, and uh, you know, listening to Eruption, and uh, you know, going in, and I love the Kinks, and they put that new spin on the Kinks. And you know, it, to me, it's this is an easy one. Ben Halen. Yep, yep. Lee, anything extra in uh, on this one? Yeah, this one's a no-brainer too. Yeah, but I, well, we talked about rock bands. I said Van Halen was one of one of my favorites from back. You know, I like them. Van Halen, Van Hagar. They were both both had something to offer. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about and, Gary Sharon? Did anybody see that version? Uh-uh. And, no, I think it was like three months, two months, or a year. It was a it short. Was. It was a short tenure, yeah. Well, there you go. We got Van Halen going through. And now here's another. Um, here's like a Division Six soccer team in English <laughs> Premier League going against the one. And like Motley Crue doesn't even like play their subs. They're like, we're coming out strong and it's going to be 10 out at halftime. So you got you got Motley Crue against Cheap Trick. Now, I have to say this: Cheap Trick had a great a great following when they toured in Japan. They loved them over there. Uh, but, the Budokan. That's right. I think they re-released that album. But my notes say they re-released that album because it was so popular. It sold out. Nah. Okay. So I was I, I've saw, I've seen Motley Crue many times. Um, I was never um, uh, hoodwinked by they, they were they were a lot of fun. Uh, I wouldn't call them the Motley Crue. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't call them musical geniuses. Uh, they were pretty much just straightforward. Let's play fun rock and dress yeah. crazy. And but that was about it. Vince Neil 
could never sing. Uh, now we can't sing even worse. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I was never a cheap trick fan and I was a Motley Crue fan, but I, I think now, especially when I listen to cheap trick stuff, yeah. I, I really enjoy those songs and I have yeah. a hard, I actually have a hard time listening to a lot of Motley Crue stuff that I used to love. It just, it's kind of cringy. Uh, they're so, they were, they were fun. I have tons of pictures of them from shows that I saw. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to torpedo them in this, this round. Yeah. I think, I think Molly crew was interesting. Molly crew was like, you know, when you're driving on a long road trip and you, you need something to eat, there's a McDonald's and you're like, ah, crap, I gotta eat something. All right. I'll go to McDonald's, but it's, I'm not happy about it. You know, I'm just going to eat snack, whatever. Uh, yep. Like that's what Molly Crew was. Fit the bill in like the, the, the that that time period. They didn't really do anything special. They kind of no. they filled your belly with all sorts of crappy food, <laughs> and then you they you, you left feeling crappy. You know, you left feeling crappy. But right. Good analogy, Mike. Yeah, that's excellent. So that's I'm, I'm, that sums it up right I'm there. Here. That's perfect. Come on, this you're telling oh. me you were not dance slow dancing at a bar. This I hated. Song. I hated <laughs> this, this song. I just song remember I listening to this, thinking, "What did they do?" <laughs> you play this on the piano, you said. This is the only song I can play on the piano. <laughs> and I'll teach yes, everyone. And I bet your I bet your piano sounds better than Vince Neil singing that song. <laughs> what led you to only learn that song on the piano? It's 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 a huge. It's amazingly easy. Like it's, it's, it, it sounds fancy. I don't even know it sounds fancy. It's just, I don't know. I, I came to it. I'm not, I don't remember. I've been playing it for 20 years now. Look, you guys want to see me play this one model song on the piano? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, the keyboards. That was Tommy Lee, the drummer oh, who did That's that. I remember seeing them on that tour and they rolled out this giant white grand piano and made a big deal out of it. And I remember thinking, I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think this is great <laughs> piano music. But That's one hell of a piano. Rick Nielsen is a hell of a guitar player, by the way, for Cheap Trick. Yeah, yeah Rick Nielsen. This is a surprise. I I really thought it, I, maybe this is not an upset. You know, tomorrow on ESPN, they're going to be like, who's calling it an upset? It's not an upset. Well, I had Cheap Trick all along. Ride or die with Cheap Trick. Going deep. We know who's going through on the next round. So we have Rolling Stones against Ted Nugent. I had to think a long time about this one. Yeah. Not. <laughs> All I know is every once in a while, I'm driving down a, a country road and I kind of like listening to this song really loud. This is the only one. <laughs> There's no other Ted Nugent song. And then you get off the country road. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. So I, uh, I actually caught a guitar pick from Ted Nugent. He was opening for Aerosmith in Philly. And I wish now that I had thrown it back at him. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about Ted Nugent. For better or worse, for, for better or worse like I, I oftentimes think about what kind of person the performer is, you know, and it shouldn't play a part of it. But he's like borderline crazy, you know. And so, like, when I think about him, I don't really think of his guitar playing. I think of a bow and arrow in his hand. Like talking about eating raw meat, and so 
Like I, we could have put anyone up against him, whether it was just like me playing home street piano. <laughs> I would have put me forward because I just dislike Ted Nugent that much. And, and I would like to, and I would like to say, I, I think the Rolling Stones are fantastic. I would just like to add that. Plus, plus one, and they write Stones. tasty tunes. We just need to give the Stones some love here. Come on, yeah, mm-hmm. their catalog. Oh awesome. my gosh, they're just, just bluesy, fantastic. Amen, amen, yeah. amen. Yeah, yeah that, it, I think we talked about this when we had the first bracket. Yeah. They were against the Who, and they blew away the Who too. And that that wasn't a first rounder. That was more of a quarter found, uh, quarter round. So uh, so we moved to the next round, and we got Jeff back against the Who. Now, um, who's got some stories for us? I grew up on the Who. Just uh, you know, I said this before. Me and my buddy, we traded Who records every year for Christmas. You know, going back and forth trading Who albums. I just think you know, you take the Who from their beginning to maybe to Who Are You, or maybe I'll go back to to Who by Numbers. And I think they they put out a lot of great records over a you know ten fifteen year period. Yeah, just a phenomenal Jeff Beck. I'm with you, Pat. The more I listen to him and discover like some of his, some of his stuff with Rod Stewart was really good. Great oh, guitar yeah. player. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he, yeah, he obviously the guy's super talented, but the who, the, some of the parts, you know, Ed yeah. whistle on bass, Keith Moon's crazy drumming. You know, I've talked mm-hmm. to some drummers who they don't like his style, but I don't know. <laughs> Keith Moon will get your attention. Yeah. And then, you know, Townsend songwriting, Daltrey singing. I just think the four of them, you know, the, 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 the whole is Keith better Townsend than some is, of the parts. You know, genius, I think. Yeah. They, they, they have a great catalog. I, I really struggled with this one because uh, I really like The Who. Uh, a lot of catchy tunes. But Jeff Beck does just so much interesting stuff. Uh, and uh, I find it almost impossible to compare these two. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to push The Who through just because I, I like listening to them so much. Like one of my one of my favorite songs is, is uh, you know, Magic Bus. Uh, absolutely love that song from way back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this was tough for me, but I would I would vote for the Who here. Lee or, uh, or DJ, what do you got? I'll go for the Who, and I think Todd makes a very good point. These these two are very hard to compare, but um, I just I Pete Townsend to me is a genius, and um, you know they just got such a body of work. And Jeff Beck is a you know world class guitarist and everything, but you know the. Some of the parts I think someone said uh, along the way earlier makes it uh, a pretty easy, pretty easy decision. So, hey, listen, the Who's moving on, and we only have four bands left, and then we got the special time machine question. So next we have uh, Santana and White Snake, <laughs> and we'll we'll start it off with. Like who? Let, who the hell let White Snake in the room? Come on! Hold on! I thought Big Mike was going to be the first guy that oh. says this. So. Oh, this is this is good. Is it the, this, this, and this well, isn't even this isn't even the best White Snake song. I'm going to say on. this: Santana. The best thing about White Snake is you know, there are certain guitarists who speak to you and who, who who do. And Santana is like the opposite of my musical uh, sensibility. Right? They don't uh, just the way he plays doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, I, re- I recognize his talent, um, but White Snake had like two good songs. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was really, I mean, one of them was probably like famous because of, like he had a hot woman 
on the hood of the car, right? And so Yeah, that was um, that was that was nineteen eighty six. Right there. That was nineteen eighty six. I'm moving White Snake ahead based on that video. That's my vote. Did <laughs> <laughs> I, I know him? No, no. You, you just no. talked me into it. That, that, that was my junior year, and I, I must have watched that video like 345 times. Yeah, everybody did. A lot of tissues yeah. died thanks to that video. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I would like to say 1985, two nights in a row, Philadelphia Spectrum, Motley Crue, White Snake opening. We decide we're going to both shows. We're camping out overnight. We're just sleeping in the parking lot at the Spectrum. Yeah. Uh, we're tailgating. Day two, we're playing cornhole. I kind of remember that day. And Vivian Campbell and Rudy Sarzo uh, of White Snake. Uh, come walking through the parking lot just talking to people and we played cornhole with Vivian Campbell and Rudy Sarzo for about I don't know 20 minutes they were just super nice guys That's uh, awesome. and 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 honestly uh, I couldn't stand David Coverdale the the white snake guy sure. uh, but but the musicians in that band that he put together were amazing Vivian Campbell was incredible Rudy, Sar- Rudy Sarzo was a great bassist um but yeah, David Coverdale is just, I, I just, oh, they're just a joke. Yeah, that was Coverdale and Page. They did something with um, Jimmy Page, I thought back in the day. Yeah, that's a yeah. great story. I love yeah, that. Well, and yeah. the, and the other the other guitarist in that in that band that super band was that we saw those two nights was Adrian Vandenberg, who yeah. was amazing as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they had the they had uh, Tommy Aldridge on drums, who was Ozzy's drummer, along with Rudy Sarzo. Uh, so, I mean, they were really talented. I just couldn't stand David Coverdale. The, yeah. the he was doing a Robert Plant imitation his entire career. I thought, <laughs> yeah. Well, so. that's, that's interesting. We got we got Mike and then Lee. Loves them. <laughs> so I'm going Santana. That's what I'm saying. I'm going Santana. <laughs> I somehow feel like I know I'm going to be outvoted, and that's why I voted that way. So. No, I, I'm, I'm with Big Mike. I got to go with Big Mike. I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but I, I'd like to know what, what Gig thinks of this matchup. <laughs> Gig? Oh, no, I got you. Um, I'm going with Santana. However, if they were matched up against a lot of other bands, I'm not going to go with them. I think they, yeah. they drew a very favorable draw. Yeah. And I have one quick question for TD, though. I'm going to come right back at him. In case we do a future corn, best of cornhole, like a cornhole greatest throwers, <laughs> how were the guys in Whitesnake? I'm just trying to do a little homework here. Were they uh, good cornhole so players? So Rudy Sarzo was actually really good. Vivian Campbell yeah. was a mess. I, I, I guess they don't do cornhole in Ireland. Okay. Um, but, but he okay. he couldn't play at all. But he was such a nice guy, and he was tiny. I just remember thinking he was about five four or five five. He was, okay. and and then uh, Rudy Sarzo was taller than me. Um, okay. Yeah, but they were just, just super nice down guys. They were, they were a lot of, of fun. Cornhole bracket, real quick. Yeah. I did see Santana in concert. Um, one of my early concerts. Our parents dropped us off in Philly. We took the subway down to the old JFK Stadium. How's this for a quadruple bill? The Hooters opening. The Clash, Santana, and the Who. Nice. nice. So that was that was a pretty good show. That nice. Was a pretty good show. I was there mainly to see the Clash and the Who, but you know, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed Santana and the Hooters as well. Could that have been 1982? I think that was 82. Yep. 
Were you there? Or were you, did you see him on that nah, tour they, somewhere uh, else? The, the, the Clash and the Who did Shea Stadium, so I'm yep. figuring it was the same tour. Yep, yep. Yeah. We have Santana moving on on that one. And then we have the last two bands, both Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Patty, I see I got to drop out, but I'm going to vote for Tom Petty. Okay. You got it. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll catch you guys later, man. No problem. Thank you. Take right. care. So we got a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and, you know, and great songs. You know, Love the One You're With is one of my favorites. Um, and I always thought, when I looked at this bracket, I was like, this is a tough one. Because you got Tom Petty against Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You know, I don't know. Who's, who's got a story? Anybody have any stories? Tom Petty you is uh, my greatest regret never seeing him. I had an opportunity to see him at Red Rocks in Colorado when I was actually working out there for 10 days. And I got a bunch of guys said, hey, we've got a ticket if you want to go with us. And I look at a map and I'm like, oh, that's like a two hour drive each way. And we got to we got to grade all these AP World History essays, you know, tomorrow and starting at 8 a.m. I think I'm going to pass. Sure. Dumbest mistake ever. <laughs> Uh, and I, I really love Tom Petty and I love the story. Uh, my favorite song by Tom Petty is Refugee and, oh, yeah. I, and, and the, uh, the story of him and his guitarist, uh, Mike Campbell, writing that. And, and then they were doing live takes of that because they wanted to catch that like raw energy. And they did yeah. over 100 takes of that and were at each other's throats trying to get the sound that they both envisioned and they finally got it. Uh, but I, I just, yeah. I just love that story. Um, yeah. so yeah. for me, I feel like, you know, Crosby Stills Nash is kind of like American music royalty, but I feel like, uh, Tom Petty is just unbeatable. Yeah. Papa gig. Oh, I love Crosby Stills and Nash, Nash and Young, but I think you take the, the body of Tom Petty's work. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To me, I would argue he's, you know, Dylan's way up there but if you take the body of Petty's work from 76 or 77 whenever he started to to me the very last Mud Crutch album which you know his band that he put together you know he kind of got he got the guys back together and that was truly the last record I would argue that he made before he died the last Mud Crutch record yeah that last Mud Crutch record is great his body of work he was consistent I, my argument would be give me another American songwriter who had a 40 year p- period of sustained great songwriting I don't. I yeah. I don't think I, I would like to hear an argument. Who wrote? Uh, who had a better forty-year period of great songwriting? Yeah, compared next to Tom Petty. Next to Dylan, you know. But did Dylan sustain? I think Dylan had you know a lot of highs and lows. Petty had yeah, a couple highs and lows. Yeah, and you know, I, and, and I know I almost don't want to is sacrilegious to go against Dylan, but but to me, the overall body of Tom Petty's work, you know, it might be a little simplistic, but he he wrote a lot of great songs over a long period and. To me, Petty's a hands down. Yeah, he wins yeah. this one. Big Mike and DJ. This is. I want to say, damn you, Patty C. Making me <laughs> choose between these two beloved bands. I think. I think "Sweet Judy Blue Eyes" is one of the most beautiful songs ever written, and and I think sometimes, like, I'm not a religious person, but God puts people together, and their voices like meld in a way that is just like. It's, it's it's like it's existential. It's it's beautiful, and and that performance they put on at Woodstock, the recording. I mean, yeah. it's just it's amazing. Um, but uh, I, I got to go with Tom Petty because, yeah. like, 
He's freaking Tom Petty. Like, I don't know. He, I mean, there's so much awesomeness there. He rocks, but then he, he's got like wildflowers, which is uh, yeah. this amazingly beautiful song too. So, uh, it's a tough choice and I wouldn't be mad with either one, but, um, I got to go Tom Petty. I don't know. What do you think, Dennis? I agree with you. This is a very tough bracket. There would have been a time for me where I would have just said CSNY, no problem. Uh, but there's an element of just solo artists hanging together to make a record with, with them, as great as that is. And But I saw Petty, actually, I saw Tom Petty um, played with Dylan. They did a tour with the Grateful Dead where um, Petty, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were Dylan's band. And they were good. Bob Dylan is terrible live. I love Bob <laughs> Dylan. I, I mean, I love Bob Dylan's music. And I went to see him about 10 times waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And it never did. And it didn't happen on this season. Um, and that was back in the, that was 1986, actually. And, and I, you know, I, they didn't do, they didn't do petty stuff. But then as I saw Petty later on and he, you know, he was just productive, a great songwriter. And then, um, Todd, you had mentioned not taking a chance to see him when you did, when you could have. And there was a concert uh, close by here right before he passed at Forest Hills where I was like, I'll catch him next tour. Yeah. And there was no next yep. tour. Yeah. And big regret, big regret. And I, I think uh, it's Tom Petty. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So Tom's moving on. And there we have it. So we got through the bracket in one piece with only like three technical difficulties. And before we have another one, we have to get to the time machine. So the time machine question is this. We just jet out. And uh, we're not going to a concert. We're not going to pick anyone up to play at a concert. Uh, there's a big barbecue at my house. We have to go pick up some people and come back to the barbecue. And our families are there, and we're going to have a kick-ass time. It's about 6 o'clock. The party should last till like 11. The police won't come till 1, so you have to think in your head. And I know I didn't give you the question beforehand, but we're going to find someone to come back. And I'm going to go first because it's my show. And we boop, 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 and we're in the time machine. And I'm we're flying straight to England. But I want to go get David Gilmore right now. And I want to pick him up. And he's not even coming back to the house to play music. I've just seen so many interviews with him. He's just like a cool guy. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, T.D. Whitman. I just picked up David Gilmore in England. Who are we going to pick up? Uh, I am going to go with Edward Van Halen. Uh, just because I was good, my my the first name that popped into my head was David Lee Roth because I said showman, but I'm like I think we'd all want to punch him in the face after about 20 minutes at your house. So he's probably a little too much, but then I thought you know I always heard Eddie was kind of introspective and shy and just wanted to play, and I'm like. Oh, yeah. Over there on the corner at Pat's patio over by the hot tub near the fire pit is Eddie Van Halen playing your requests. That would be that would be pretty sweet. Sure. Now, does he get to bring Valerie? If if well, he can do he can do whatever he wants. He wants. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. He's good. he's the man. And uh, and Big Mike, who are we going to get? I'm going to all right. I'm going to I'm going to knock two out then that may have been on other people's lists, but I'm going to bring. Keith yeah. Richards, because we've got five hours and we got to make it. Count. 
we got to make it count. But I also, I also want to meet Paul McCartney. You know, he just seems like this totally chill guy. Oh, like, yeah. oh Dennis was getting him, I think. Uh, so that's good. I like that. I like those two names. So Keith Richards is going to get us all high and drunk, and uh, we're going to forget the <laughs> night. Um, and he's going to get Edward Van Halen, you know, arrested. Um, <laughs> you know. um, Papa Gig, who are we going to? I ruined it. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. Can I bump to to DJ because I need a new person now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was going to get Keith Richards for last, but DJ, we're, we're saving you, and you can go back in time if they're no longer with us. It's okay. Easy answer would be Jerry, but yeah, um, yeah. I'm actually going to say Bruce Hornsby. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, born and bred down there. But I actually had the pleasure of meeting him briefly one time, and I've seen him a couple times solo, and he just seems like a good hang. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, that's very cool. And uh, and Papa Gig? I don't think it's going to be it because I really wanted to bring Keith. But you know what? And I know Paul McCartney was taken, but I'm going to bring – we're going to go way back to that British invasion. I'm going to bring his buddy John Lennon on. Well, his early oh, buddy. Oh, nice. I'm going to bring John Lennon. Excellent. So Lennon was always my favorite Beatle. I'm not sure how he'd beat a party, but I think almost like the Eddie Van Halen, maybe you pull him aside. You know, you go for a walk. They always say he liked his walks. You know, you go walk around, you know, drink your beer, go for a walk around the party with John Lennon. I'll bring John Lennon. I'm, I'm not disappointed in your selection. You thought I was going to bring Eddie? Yes. Eddie Vetter. I met him in Berlin, yeah. Hey, Ooh, how, how's it going, one. man? How's it going? My name's Eddie. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, no, Eddie Eddie would be uh, Eddie would be a good he one. Would, to- he, would, he would have a good time with it. Well, and, and seriously, from the time, you know, seriously, I met him, he, he would really talk to people. It's just the vibe I got. He would really just get in and just hang out and talk to people. And he'd probably be the last one there. He's known to be... He he can go all night. Yep. <laughs> yep. You'd, you'd be hanging out with the campfire him at three a.m. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey guys, thanks thanks for the show. The, a little technical difficulties, but there we have it. I don't have any Matt Bolton uh, queued up, uh, but I'll post produce it. Uh, but thanks again. So there you go. And say goodbye, uh, uh, DJ. Thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed this and. Uh, uh, I know Lee Lee signed off, but Chris, Mike, and Todd, it was a pleasure meeting you guys, and uh, this was fun stuff. And Pat, thank you. You got it. Good night, everyone. It was a great evening uh, talking music with you guys. Good night. Good night, Emmaus. We love you. Drive safely. (laughs) Papa Gig. Hey, as always, one of my favorite things to do is to talk music, and unfortunately, I can't do it with a lot of people, so it's always great to do it with some great musical minds. It was, it was a pleasure, guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.